This podcast is produced by All In Media, hosted by Itamar Roy. Hey, Ilan. Hey, how are you? How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? You came for a short visit. Yeah, I came for a week. For, for a week. fashion week. For the fashion week actually yes did you visit no, no actually but I saw it on on Instagram on Facebook and I saw you guys are quite present yeah it, it, it was a I, I was only there one day but the guys from the the different people from the teams went it was a, it's a memorable week you should have gone yeah you're right clever next right. time we need to get him tickets actually you're right actually you're right so and how was it, it was good you enjoyed it I enjoyed well the first evening I was only in the first evening in the gala and Cornet uh, sponsored you know we sponsored the week and we worked with a lot of the designers but on the first night it was emotional because uh, we were pushing the democratic uh, walk where there were 15 designers who did things in and around democracy and as an Israeli again for me it was emotional because the songs were very powerful and some of the uh, some of the designs were amazing and they hit home and I and I thought uh, Ronen's uh, speech was correct because at the end of the day it was very touching for me it was it, it, you know it was strong because Cornet stands as a culture and For creativity for pluralism that every for diversity it doesn't matter your age your color your religion um, your size uh, your sexual orientation it's that's the beauty of fashion and Cornet is an inclusive company has to stand behind things that are democratic the things that enable the And societies that enable creativities such as Israel does and I thought the stand that we took there uh, was very powerful it was really pushed strongly in the past and I felt connected uh, to that evening very strongly and the rest of the shows I wasn't at there but I saw some of the designs beautiful stuff beautiful stuff yeah I saw yes. it too yeah so when you you've mentioned some terms that are very highly spoken nowadays and And, and I want um, I want I want to take it or to, to, to sort of see it through your career and through your career path and during the years you've done because you've lived in India and you lived in Japan and now you live in the United States and you are a very global guy. Also, you've worked in various industries. Uh, we've mentioned before Jeka that I had the privilege to host here. And you guys know each other from before can you please give me a short introduction of what you did before uh, sure I was born in Jerusalem and for everyone who knows Jerusalem the internal capital the internal capital, capital of the of the <laughs> <laughs> now we're having a political statement we have to watch out no no you, sh- <laughs> you should remember you should remember Eric Sharon's statement that that yeah. said every time he came to America it was the beginning of his speech he said I come here from Jerusalem the turn and capital I don't remember of the Jewish that, people okay. every time <laughs> um, 
I was born in Jerusalem, and for those who come from Jerusalem know that at least when we were born, I was born in 67, so it was, uh, there was a, there's a meaning for Jerusalem after it was uh, liberated or united. And then I grew up, I grew up in Jerusalem, moved to Atlanta, Georgia. I'm not allowed to hit the table? Yeah. Okay. It's forbidden here. It's forbidden here. I'll keep my hands to myself. Um, Moved to Atlanta, Georgia in the 70s, which was not an easy place. My dad was worked for the Israeli government, uh, and I grew up in Atlanta, which was a very... uh, it was a, it was interesting times in Atlanta because it was six years after Martin Luther King uh, was shot. Uh, there was Ku Klux Klan. I lived, I went to a Jewish school and we had a cross burnt in in the school and it was interesting. It was in I as a kid I I remember seventies in the states seventies in the states. In Atlanta, you know, you grow movies up, I, were made. I, yeah, I missed that. Yeah, yeah, they never, they never called me. Uh, then I was in Israel. I went to the, I was in the Air Force for many years, and uh, joined an Israeli company and moved to Paris. Lived in Paris for a year with software as a service, and then in the, and then I moved, and then the dot com exploded, and I moved to London. Lived in London where my two boys were born, and I uh, was there for seven years. Worked in the telecom industry, and uh, did an executive MBA at Columbia in London Business School. Raised money, moved to India to start real estate, and that never do that. So <laughs> <laughs> moved to India, and after five years of uh, slugging it out as an entrepreneur, uh, which was very tough. I moved to Daimler, worked in Daimler two years in India, and then I moved from there to Japan and managed a very wide region in Japan. And Jekka, who I brought into Fuso in the U.S. to manage the U.S. activities, called me and said uh, initially it was to manage Japan, and uh, at the end that we hired, they hired someone else at the time. And I was doing a bit of consultancy with Cornet, and then Ronen called me and asked me to take over uh, APAC. So I did that for two years. Very interesting time due to COVID. I met most of my team three weeks before I left the position, and uh, then moved. Uh, I never part of the team. I haven't met till today. Guys from China. Uh, I unfortunately couldn't meet, so it was managing people through closed room and speaking over Zoom for two and a half years. And when the opportunity came and one offered me to move to the States, I moved in January to to the U.S. So it's been a, I mean, for me, it's been a fascinating, uh, people love the word journey, but it's been fascinating because when you talk about diversity, think about me being a white dude in India. And I remember Japan. my son, who's Daniel, who's sitting here, when he was seven, and he had he had what they called the the Jew the Jew Afro. He had this huge hair of uh, uh, curls, and they were half red, half brown. And he stood one day, and he looks. He's standing, and his eyes are wondering, and he's looking up to me and says, "Abba." Everyone's looking at me, and I and I look around and you see 
huge amount of Indian guys looking at it because he was people pay people wanted to take pictures with him. You understand that that was the so and in Japan and Asia, uh, we how had, do you see life after living in Japan for seven years? I mean, it's a whole different civilization, all different. I've just I was there just for a short visit, three weeks visit it was great, but living in Japan. I mean, culturally, business-wise, it's, it's different. I have to say that, you know, it's a mixed because a lot of people say, ah, I'd live in Japan all my life. There are things in Japan that you can't get anywhere else in the world. First of all, everything is structured. Everything is accurate. You cannot, there's no, you can't, you have to toe the line. You can't move a bit to the left or to the right. Everything, it's very, very safe. Everything, when I say everything is accurate, the food is unbelievable. The art is, um, everything is beautiful. I think the, the challenge Japan has is that it's become too accurate. It's become too straight. Uh, it's become constraints under the rules that you have there. And think of the contrast where you come from India where it's chaos. It's actually controlled chaos in India to a place where everything is so straight. India, the train can be late by a day. In Japan, it's not late by a second. Uh, and we had an amazing experience. It was, it was fun. It was, uh, it was totally different uh, than, than other places we lived. But at least for me, after seven and a half years, I felt I needed something... A bit more chaotic at the end you know you could take these you could take me out of Israel but <laughs> you can't take Israel out of me and uh, and that I actually that helped me a bit in Japan because the Japanese really uh, relate to people who are not like them they're very welcoming they love the the a bit more free spirit so from that perspective if it gave me a bit of an advantage to a certain point where they would then stop me. But it was uh, it was a fascinating uh, was a fascinating time. I also worked for a German company. So just think, wow, a German German in, ja in, in uh, Japan working for a German company in Japan in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> me, I was the most. I, they always called me the most unstructured person they've ever met. So yeah, that was. Uh, and how was it coming? You were you defined yourself as an unstructured guy. In, an in, in a structured society when you lived yeah. in Japan or whatever. What do you do now? And how do you, or did you brought your unstructured patterns to your job yeah. So today? I don't know if you remember, the, everything is relativity is a big thing. When I came to, and this is what my Germans now laugh at me, I said I, I moved from being the most unstructured person to being the most structured person. And I think that, that <laughs> I think that helped me a bit to understand, because you learn you get a lot of great foundations working for such large companies. The processes, the way of thinking, the, 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 the processes come to compensate on the different people that come in, because these are huge companies. Daimler. As an, as an organization is bigger than Tel Aviv. It's 350,000 people. Think if they're unstructured, what would happen? And even within that structure, they still find a way to create amazing designs. You look at their cars, and they, try, they still try to find a way to pull in people who are creative. 
And Daimler in 2020, Jack and I were part of this group within Daimler. There was a, they picked 100 employees out of the, within the company to try to break the structure because they felt they've reached a point that if they don't reinvent themselves, if they don't connect to the Generation Z and others, they will disappear. They will become dinosaurs. And I remember Seche, who was the at the time the CEO, always walked around with a three suit tie, a, a suit and tie, moved to jeans, and that was unheard of for Germans to walk around in jeans. Was you know was a revolution. And I come to a place like Cornet, where if you have too much structure, you lose that ability to create, and you see in Cornet the the creativity, the way to think outside the box, to push yourself as a small, relatively small company, to be a leader in the world and reposition yourself as a company, not as a printing company, but as a fashion company. It's fascinating. And that within itself uh, creates uh, different interests and and it attracts different people. Now, part of my... Uh, it's not a criticism, but I think a place where Cornet has to learn is how does Cornet become a bit more structured? Because at the end of the day, we have so many processes that are need to be put in place to give better service to the customers, to create less chaos with our employees. And I think that the hopefully the new ALP system will help us in, help us in that. But I think that's a place where hopefully some of the stuff I brought from the Germans will help. But as an organization, we do need to find areas where we're a bit more organized because it's it's costing us a lot of money, but also uh, aggravations and energies. If you don't focus your energies to good things and you always have to fix some of the stuff that are bad, I think that's a that's an area where, as an organization, we can and should improve. So what what are the first things you you've learned coming to the United States? And now running the show there, no, isn't it? Well, I, I, I have a very good team that helps me run the show. Yeah. Uh, if you try to run it alone, you, you hit a, you yeah, hit a block very sure. quickly. Um, it's different. The US is, is different. We always looked, I mean, Chris, who's, who's leading Europe, and myself always looked up to the US, and they were number one. And I think part of the challenges the US faced was that Everything was around Amazon and Printful, and there was a lot of focus on those organizations. And you see that over the last year before I came, uh, the, the company started understanding that we have problems, let's just say, with the strategic accounts. So they, they built teams that focused on that, and you, and, and, which helped. So a lot of our strategic accounts, which lost faith in Cornet, are now coming back because of those those organizations. It started with Udi and now and Dan, and Dan Labo is now the head of customer success, so he's now hopefully will bring it to the rest of the customers, and Jeff and his team. But you see, you know, the U.S. has changed. It used to be only a U.S. organization. Now we have a very strong team in LATAM, in Latin America. Um, which is led by Louise, and we have great partners there. And I think that the sales organization in the U.S. is we're, we're shifting. We had a lot of guys leave, 
Uh, some better than others, but I think all in all, the team that the, the nucleus team that stayed is very strong, and now we're rebuilding that team. We have great teams in finance, in logistics. We have amazing application engineers. And the question is, how do you take that collective with amazing people and put them together as a team so that the collective is much stronger than the individuals? And I think that was lost a bit over the last year. And you see that and you feel that. And hopefully what there's some of the basic things that we're putting in place is helping the organization grow. But the, the U.S. in terms of power, uh, purchase power, and is unbelievable. It's so different than Asia. It's so different than, uh, than Europe. Americans buy. They purchase. They, the whole that's the, the American culture yeah. is about how much my dollar takes me and what do I buy and and you see the the business people that you meet they think so much differently than they think big and I think that that's something that that caught me by surprise you always you always heard about these you know Amazon thousands of you know systems and people and you see but when you meet some of the entrepreneurs, they don't think small. Yeah. They think big. And that that within itself for me was, it's fascinating because when you speak to Asians, ah, I want to buy one system and they're very frugal and very cautious. And uh, I think Iran from uh, the corporate development team said to me, either go big uh, or go home. Uh, think big or go home, and and I think that's that's really the American way. And it's I think for Cornet, there's huge opportunities there. Can you take me to the to the huge opportunities? Yeah, I mean uh, we've I, talked about sports, which I was sport. I was um, fascinated yeah. about first about sports. Do you like sports? Yeah, I like sports. Which what's your soccer? Basketball, do? NBA, where, where, uh, uh, NFL, whatever you guys okay. watch, I watch too. Okay, and which Israeli soccer team do you Maccabi like? Maccabi Haifa. Ah, okay. Maccabi Haifa is always everyone else's second team. <laughs> okay. It's like my two <laughs> nephews. They all walk around in green no, no, and so on. Haifa. I'm, 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 I don't know if it's, I'm allowed to say it. I'm, I'm uh, Beitar Yerushalayim. So no, it's okay, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, today it's less, but uh, you're allowed. It's I'm allowed. No, it's allowed. It's no, a I democracy. Have, uh, yeah, I know, but I have no, You know, once you fall in love with a soccer team, it's they say it's forever. Yeah, you can't, you can't let go of it. Yeah. So we're seeing. So I'll give you a few examples, and I think it's. And this is some of the stuff that we're seeing in the world. By the way, you should think about it here because All In is like you guys are a brand already in Israel. And I know a lot of people said, ah, I'm meeting uh, Itamar for All In in the morning. Are oh, you meeting Itamar? Yeah, I didn't know you. So we need to do a selfie afterwards. <laughs> we are, we're working with a company by the name of Amaze. Amaze works with influencers. Now, we all talk about, Cornit talks about Cornit X and the employees all know about this and there's been a lot of questions about Cornitex. It's a company that we acquired two years ago under Custom Gateway, and we haven't been able to really accelerate there. We've had small successes. And from our side, Dawn and, uh, and their CEO met, and it took a bit of a while to, to get that relationship warmed up. But when it did, we understood, at least me for the first time, understood the power of the influencers. 
These guys work with 10 million influencers. Understand? It's bigger wow. than the state. Just think a company works with every Israeli. Those influencers don't work on a maze. They work on platforms. They work on Instagram and YouTube and Snapchat and TikTok and any other platform that you know. And they have followers now. They work with a small followers. So I don't know how many people listen to All In, but uh, they work with pe- they work up to people that make money up to $10 million on, on merchandise and, and advertisement and so on. And what they do is they enable those influencers to sell anything that they create. And it's cool because some of these influencers sit with their crowd and they design together a hoodie or a T-shirt or cups, whatever you want, anything that you want to create. So what happens with Amaze is Amaze enables those creators to generate and monetize their capabilities because once you start following someone, he comes out with the t-shirt. In most cases, you may buy it. They want to work with Cornet because the Cornet platform for printing is the strongest. But they said, hey guys, we don't only send garments. We want to sell cups. We want to sell other accessories. And right. Cornet X gives them that solution. And we are we put them in touch with a customer of ours named Fifth Son. Fitson. Fitson. It's a big. It's a big. Uh, it's a big uh, fulfiller that sits in California. They get thirty thousand new impressions a week. Now, that's not a lot. They're they're, they're aspiring to get to two hundred thousand a week. For Cornet, it's huge. How many? Think how many machines we can put in place. Think how many, how many click charges you get from Cornetex. Think of the economy that grows in and around websites of influencers. They become brands themselves. Now, when they grow to a certain you level- You see it all over. Right, and just think, once they become even bigger, over $10 million, they, they become their own brand. So Cornet can essentially connect to them and go with them to the next level. And that's the power of big. And when you talk about sports, we met a sports company the other day that has 25% of the NFL um, rights for you know to sell, good business, not bad at all. I didn't know how big the NFL was. I mean, NFL is a sports. I'm sorry, Americans was a sports that was created for advertisement. You know, every three seconds they stop and they advertise. They're talking about taking this company from about a hundred million dollars today to a half a billion dollars within three years. And most of the merchandise that you buy from the NFL, most of it is garments, the T-shirts, the yeah. numbers. And again, they work with Fifth Sun. So I've said Fifth Sun twice, but uh, they're looking to expand globally with over Cornitex and over the, the network. By the way, Amaze is pushing us for Australia, for Latam, for Europe. So these guys are looking to do Europe and Latam where they do soccer teams. They do the NFL. They're trying to get into the NBA. And what they want to do is globally, they want to work with the polyester fabrics because that's mostly sports. And they want to make sure it's, you know, it sounds, it may sound like I'm dumbing it down, but they're looking for McDonald's. They're looking for a Starbucks. They want the same quality Wherever they walk around the globe, wherever you buy a T-shirt, that they don't need to ship it from the United States. They want it to go it's on showing American. and local. 
and they want a cookie cutter. But but think about scale. yourself. Scale. The word scale. is scale. Scale. That's a great word. But think about yourself when you walk around. And you don't know what coffee you're going to drink. And, okay, you go Paris, to Starbucks. You go to Starbucks now. Okay, when you go to Paris, you don't need a Starbucks. When you go to London, you may. You know, Italy, you go everywhere. So think about the fact, and, I, you know, we need to look at it also from the sports team view. The colors and the shades that they use, for them, it has to be the same globally. And for them... The fact that this company can, over a Conit platform, gives the NFL teams the comfort that when they give something to, an, to a company, that the brand will not be diminished in other areas. Because what you see, when you, you know, if you see a nice T-shirt or a nice colors and logos, it keeps the brand at, at a certain level globally. And so it's not only the the people who are printing, but it's also the the source which requires very high levels of uh, uh, proficiencies and accuracy of the brand. Standard. Yeah, the standard one. Yeah, thanks with my English. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> How many people, let's talk people. Okay. How many people work for Cornet in America? Uh, we currently have around the one the one thirty five uh, it's across all of it's the Americas so I have uh, and it's it's a bit more because we have voxel eight and we have we're around a hundred and fifty five people today so some of the people report directly to me we have a development arm that sits in Boston that reports to israel to to Kobe's Kobe Mann's team. Uh, so and we have out of that team think about it we have four people in Brazil Argentina Mexico we have three there three salespeople we have Itamar the Brazilian in Brazil Brazilian he's not Israeli and I asked him how'd you get that name he says well my parents it's a biblical name uh, so Itamar lives in uh, Brazil. I'm trying to think who else lives in, in Latin America. And we have guys, actually, Conrado, who supports Latin America, lives in Canada. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So we have, we have, a, we have so that's just Latam. And in the United States, we have around, Joanna, keep me honest, around 50 people sitting, 50 to 60 people sitting in New Jersey. And the rest... All across the United States, We're most of them are sales. If I can, no, actually, most of them are customer success. The smaller team is customer success is more than half of the team. Since in the past we used to do things through partners in the United States, and then we decided to bring it in, so we we still have a strong group sitting in Wisconsin. Is where we started. Don't ask me why. Uh, we started in Wisconsin, but we have a great team coming out of there. So those are the the people. We have a guy by the name of Eric who's been with the organization for 15 years, which is a lot in Kornit. And uh, we have engineers, salespeople from all across all across the United States. So a very diverse group of people and, and really all over. What are the biggest challenges you face nowadays? Uh, we face a lot, so I'm trying to think what's the... Give I, me the... I'll tell you, the first the one... highlights. I think the first one in this, 
I told this to the customers and, and, and I told it to the team. The first is employee engagement. Uh, the employee engagement was significantly down in the United States over 2022. Uh, 2021 was a high. We had amazing year of sales. And due to the economy and other challenges, a few challenges we had, but it was mainly the economy. A lot of the big customers stopped buying because they just they, they bought a lot of capacity uh, through COVID. And when COVID stopped, a lot of that capacity stayed open because a lot of people went back to retail. And the team, which was on a very big high in 2021, in Q2, I think sales dropped significantly. And with that, the employee engagement, the confidence, Uh, we went unfortunately the company had to go through a riff and uh, a lot of people left and so the biggest challenge by far is how do we get the core people the 140 150 today work out of the United States how do we how do we gain the confidence back because at the end of the the day Cornet is an amazing company and so the question was always excuse me was the For me, more important than the, the customer engagement when we spoke when we came in this morning is how, how do I make sure for me and for the team that we have that we are engaged in the company? Because you can, you can give the customer whatever you want. If the employees don't have confidence in the company, they cannot go do a good job out there. And if they're not engaged, the customers aren't engaged. So a customer asks me, what's my biggest thing? I'm telling you now, by far, it's the employee engagement. If we can get that correct, if we can train the people back, if we can create confidence in the organization, in the capabilities, and all we need to do is for them to listen to the customers because the customers think Cornet's technology and capabilities are by far the best today in the market. So if I can get that going, I believe that, the rest will fall in line. The second is, of course, uh, for us, it's the, the customers. We have uh, things that we need to, to do better at Cornate. We need to, to send systems of out of the box in much higher quality. We need to make sure that our systems are stable. At the end, we're an industrial, we, we supply industrial equipment. We do, no one buys a Cornate to have a Cornate. It's not like you have a Ferrari to walk around and show it. People want Cornet because it's a strong brand and they believe in the quality the of, the, of the product. And if we cannot make sure that this, the systems are stable and work at the level and position that the customer expects them, we will have a hard time in the market. So that's on Cornet and the, on the customer success people to help, but it's also on R&D, production, to make sure that we get that. And I think that's an organizational issue initiative that Ronen, uh, Elan, and uh, Benzion are taking on themselves. And, and the third thing, and that's not on me, but that's on, you know, on Kobe, on Omer, and others, is how do we continue being ahead of the curve? Because we're a technological company. And the idea for us is to take ourselves to places where others haven't gone. And I believe over time, we will replace a lot of the screen printing. Because the runs are becoming shorter. People want onshoring. People do care about sustainability. So if we can find that... Yeah, it's not, it, it's not a facade. 
No, it's it's a facade. First of all, people use this as a facade, and they don't want to pay for it. They want it, but they don't want to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you, the amazing thing is that the youngsters, the Generation Z, is requiring it. So if you, people want authenticity. So when I say I'm, I'm, I'm sustainable, and people can prove otherwise, I, the brand really gets hurt. People yeah. don't like, if you think about today, a lot of people my age, when they say Exxon, it's not fuel, it's the it's those birds in Alaska that 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 were full of oil. Ask my sons, what do they care about? They care about sustainability. Now, they're willing to pay three times the price? No, but if the differences aren't that big, they'll go for it. So you see companies like H&M. You look people like Ikea. Uh, you hear the, especially the European brands, they want sustainability and they believe in it. Fair trade. They want to make sure that the suppliers get uh, get paid correctly. You go to in the in the UK to a Waitrose or a Tesco. You see that they show fair trade and they try to show pictures of the farmers. Now, is it real or not? I've never checked. I've never called the farmers, but. Once you start going down that route, it's very hard to go back. So if Cornet, so so if Cornet can can keep the sustainability route, and that's very clear that what we're doing around the ESG and so on, and keep the trust, keep it's the all- trust and authenticity, and we enable the brands to use that because they say, "Hey, we have Cornet, and look, this is a this is a sustainable production." And if we can connect ourselves to sustainable T-shirts and sustainable and, and places where we work correctly, and then I go back to where we started, where Ronen was talking about a culture of a company, that it's more than just equipment, it's a culture. I think that authenticity connects with a lot of the bigger customers and brands. And our job is to find ways to lower the TCO and lower the costs of the systems and the inks in order for us to become a much wider, uh, because today we, we're the leader in print-on-demand for one-offs, uh, but if we can find a way to find the equilibrium for screen printing, there's no question that if there's a small difference between us and a screen printer, people will move to digital. It's more accurate. It's, it's, it, 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 you can print as much as you want, it's cleaner, less people that they need to employ. We can and we should strive going down that route. And I'm and I'm happy that that's the area where we're shifting to now with several of the business opportunities and some of the systems that were coming out to start to attract and target those markets. Ilan Elad, thank you very much for being with us. Itamar, thank you for having me. Thank you. It was you. a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.